High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. Amen. All right, go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. So last week, uh, who did we talk about primarily last week? Anybody remember? David and... Goliath. Perfect. So last week we talked about um, the tactics of the enemy upon your generation is mostly intimidation, right? It's this fear factor-esque of trying to keep you guys in the tent. Uh, We talked about how Goliath was never destined to succeed. He was never going to win that battle, but it just took somebody who could see past the intimidation factor of the big giant man holding the stick, right? We talked, you know, y'all remember this ringing a bell? A little bit? Y'all need to wake up? You want a pop quiz? No? You don't feel bad? Okay. All right. 1 Corinthians 10. So this week we are going to really be talking about temptation. Everyone say temptation. temptation. Everyone is tempted with many things. So, but this is the foundation of where we're going to be at tonight. Uh, it says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Or read it again. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape. Everyone say escape. That you may be able to endure it. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Okay, so let's break down this verse just a little bit. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So what does that, what, what does that mean for you? It means this. There is never going to come a moment in your lifetime where you lay your head on your big giant pillow at night and say, well, I had no choice. That was all I could do. I'm just too weak and God knows it. His fault. That is not how this works. Many of us, we struggle with uh, a sin area. And I'm going to be pretty honest with you guys tonight because um, talking about temptation, I don't, I'm not just going to talk about y'all being tempted to like steal a sucker from your teacher's desk when she's not looking. Uh, Most of us, we are wrestling with temptation. Things, temptation, and I'll get to this more in just a little bit, but our temptations, what your enemy is tempting you with is not to just be like, ha ha, they sinned, God hates them now. Temptation that is happening in your life is leading you down to a path that eventually leads to death. All of it leads to the same way. All roads lead to hell. All right, so, and I'll prove that to you in scripture in just a few minutes. But when your enemy comes to tempt you, some of us think that they that it's like the a little leprechaun running around just trying to like throw out like, aha, they they messed up, they messed up, they messed up, and like there's no plan, there's no purpose behind it. It's all just this like spontaneous little 
evil things running around trying to get you to fall away from God. Can I just be honest with you for a moment? Your enemy is smarter than that. He's dumber than other things, but he's smarter than that. And your enemy will play the long game in your life. Meaning this, he is willing to wait. He is willing to make sure that down the road, it might start as this, but he, he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. He's been doing this a long time. Now, I don't want you to hear them be like, man, that's terrifying. Because that is, uh, anyway, we'll get to it in a second. So what does the scripture mean? It means what? It means you do, you do, you always have the choice to overcome temptation. There's no o- temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. Two, uh, sorry, um, three, flee from temptation. Everyone say flee, flee. from temptation. When you go to your lovely little Bible app like so many of you do and you Google, you search the word temptation, you search the word flee or anything like this, just about every time temptation is referenced in the New Testament, it is always accompanied by this phrase, flee from temptation. Paul tells Timothy, flee from, the, from youthful temptations. Peter says it like this, flee from, from wickedness and unrighteousness. There is always this word that seems to pop up because here, this is, this is why this is so important. This is not the most spiritual thing you're going to hear tonight, but it is the most practical thing you're going to hear tonight because so many of you fail and resist, or sorry, so many of you fall into temptation simply because you think you can, we can just stand and resolute and be like, it's not going to get me. And we're just, we're, we're too strong. I know scripture, I'll turn on worship music. It's not going to get me. That is not, the, that is not how scripture teaches us to avoid, to get, to escape from temptation. Okay? Many, 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 many people fall and deal with things such as pornography, and they continue to deal with it simply because they put themselves in the position to fall into that sin. It's not spiritual. It's practical. It's, it's very, very simple. So many times we're like, I just want to come down to the altar. I want to be delivered. And I don't, I don't ever want to be, have the desire to look at pornography again. Can I just be honest with you something? You're going to have desires in you. You're going to have desires in you. And some of those desires are godly. Some of those desires are ungodly. But you will not be delivered from a desire that at its core is actually godly. And so what your enemy knows to do is that we can cry and we can be prayed for and we can do all these great things. But at the end of the day, if you're just like, you know what, I've been prayed for, I can be in my room, I can scroll TikTok till 3 a.m. by myself, nothing's going to happen. And if you know what you're tempted with, and now hear me, if it might be pornography, it might be something with a boyfriend or girlfriend, it might be smoking, it might be whatever, you putting yourself in position to fall and then being mad that you are falling makes no sense. Okay? I'm going to, um, I want to give you a quick, it's not a quick story, but it's a story. Um, in 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 5, is a story of David and Bathsheba. Most of you have probably heard this story. If you've been in church long enough, it's pretty typical. Um, but I want to, 
there's really one thing I, I need you to grasp out of the story. So everyone, we talked about David last week. This is the same David that slayed, that slayed Goliath. This is the same King David that, that conquered, you know, king of Israel, man after God's own heart, wrote all these beautiful Psalms and Proverbs, just wonderful guy. Everyone loves him, superhero of the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5, it says this. It says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rab Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful, and David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, is, sorry, <clears throat> and one said, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Uriah was one of David's mighty men out fighting the war. So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he laid with her. Now she had, if you don't know what that means, just ask Travis. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanliness. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. King David becomes a rapist and a murderer simply because he is not where he is supposed to be. The very first line, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle. The time when kings go out to battle, David stayed home. All of this happens simply because David is not where he is supposed to be. It is so stinking practical. I heard like, well, it's an issue in David's heart. Sure it is. He's a dude and he's fallen. He's messed up. But if he's where he is supposed to be, none of this ever happens. Some of, the, the, some of your life's biggest mistakes will be solved by this one practical thing. Quit going places you're not supposed to be. Quit hanging out with people you're not supposed to hang out with. Quit getting in a car by yourself and go parking in a parking lot. Be like, well, we just want to spend time together. Quit. It's the most practical stuff on earth. But for some reason, as Christians, we're like, well, we're strong and we're fine and we're not going to be, you know, we're going to resist this and do this and do this. But yet we put ourselves in the situation all the time. And then we're so dumbfounded as to why we're dealing with the things we're dealing with. You ever, I'm just going to be honest with you, because I've done this to maybe some, probably some in this room, many others in my time in ministry. I have a kid, a teenager come and sit in my office and we'll talk and be like, Pastor Garrett, I am just really dealing, me and my girlfriend can't keep our hands off each other. Okay, when are you touching each other? Oh, uh, usually in the car. Okay, quit being in the car. Deliverance, there you go. It's so stinking simple, and we overcomplicate it. Now, I understand there's more to it, and we'll get there in a minute. But man, so many of you would solve some problems. Well, Pastor Good, I'm really dealing with pornography. Well, when are you watch porn? Well, while I'm by myself, don't be by yourself. Go to the living room. You won't do it if mom and dad are on the couch. I hope not. <laughs> I'm really dealing with smoking weed. When are you smoking weed? Well, I'm with these friends. Quit hanging out with those friends. I don't understand. <laughs> Some of it is just the simplest stuff on earth. And we're like, well, I just can't stop. You can't stop because you're the position to do it. And you, you, you are supposed to be out at war and you're, sit, you're at home. You get what I'm saying? It, it, this is, uh, hear me, I, I understand this might be all you get out of this message. I am perfectly fine. The only thing you walk away with tonight is like, I just need to quit being in the wrong places. Good. Perfect. That's, that is one of the biggest things I need you to understand. Well, I'm just... 
I'm really dealing with it. Well, when, you, when, when does temptation usually come? Usually if I'm on TikTok late at night or if I'm on Instagram, if I, you know, I follow these, a couple accounts with these girls and it's summertime, and they always post their bikinis, blah, blah, blah. Not saying it's a girl's fault. But what I am is, well, why do you do that? Uh, I don't know. I can always tell how much someone wants to overcome a sin problem in their life by how desperate they are to avoid situations for that to happen. Because when I talk to young people and they're like, well, Gary, I'm just really struggling with this. Okay, well, let's not do this, this, or that. (sighs) That's really hard. Okay, you don't want this as bad as you think you do. Because if you are so stinking desperate to quit, whatever it is, smoking, you know, you fill in the blank. You would come to me, to your leader, to God himself and say, God, whatever it takes, I am not going to do this anymore because I know it offends you. I know it dehumanizes me. But instead, we're like, I don't want to change anything about my life. I just don't want to want to do this anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. That ain't how this works. You're going to want to do bad things the rest of your life. I hate to be the bearer of bad news in that, but you will want to do bad things. It's awful. It's your nature. Welcome to the fallen world. Thank you, Eve. That's our reality. Adam was there. Adam was there. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, that's in my notes. We'll get to that in a minute. Adam was there, but only Eve talked. That's the problem. <laughs> He's a man. He should have stood up and said something. You would think. You would think, but the sin was it that Adam didn't say something, or that would have been the original sin. You know what I mean? So, crazy. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. All right, let me read you one more scripture, and then I'm going to actually like go into this thing pretty hard. So if you think I've been mean or like passionate about this, just give me a second. James 1, 14 through 15. Every single one of you, go to your Bibles, go to your notes, highlight it, circle it, put it on your grandma's forehead. James 1, verses 14 and 15. says this. You ready? No? Halfway there? James 1, James 1, verse 14 through 15, James 1, I'm going, you got two seconds, James 1, verse 14 through 15 says this, everyone listen, I want everyone's eyes on your bike, you all looked at me, didn't you? Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it has fully grown, brings forth to death. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. I cut that off. Give me one second. Are you all in the same spot I am? I'm at James 1. I think I butchered it. Did I read them backwards? I copied it. But each person is tempted. Here we go. Making sure you all are paying attention, being good Bereans. James 1.14 says this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. It is what is in you that the enemy is going to tempt you with. Only you know what those things are. Only you know what those things are. A lot of us like to play this game where we act like we're stronger than we really are because we go, I don't deal with that, I don't deal with that, I don't deal with that. I don't know, that ain't ain't my problem, Brother Grant, what you're talking about. I'm Superman strong, super guy, just got all together, need anyone ever pray for me. The desires of your heart 
are dumb. Okay? One of the most annoying phrases known to men in this age of time is the phrase, follow your heart. I hate when I hear people say that. That is about the dumbest advice. And any Christian who says that is ignoranus senior professor of ignoranus town. (laughs) People who say, follow your heart, have no idea the reality that we live in. This whole follow your heart and just do what you desire thing is literally, if, if, if Satan himself could come up with a phrase and be like, I want your generation to adopt it, it'd be that phrase, follow your heart. Why? Because he tempts you based upon your desires. So if he can take this desire, and he, hear me, this is where things get complicated. He can take a godly desire and tempt you with evil. Example one, Eve. What did he tempt Eve with? Go to Genesis 3. You don't have to right now, but uh, Genesis 3, he goes to Eve. He says, he says, you know, Eve, if you eat this fruit, you'll actually be more like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. See, he couldn't tempt Eve with purely evil things. She didn't desire those things. She didn't even probably know what those things were. She was, she was ignorant to, to evil. So in one of the most manipulative, cunning things that's ever happened to the human race, he says, hey, you want to be more like God? And every person in this room would probably shake their head and be like, I want to be more like God. And that's great. And he says to Eve, if be more like God, eat of this fruit. There is one thing that Eve would want. Walks with the Father, knows God in a way that I have, I can't comprehend. But if there's one thing he knows that Eve wants, that would be to be more like the Father. It says, eat the fruit, you'll be more like him. And there's some other dialogue in there I won't get into because she eats the fruit. Adam, who was with her, I guess says nothing, just passivity is the first mistake of man, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Part of me wonders in that moment, just because we're talking about like pornography and like sexual sin and stuff, part of me wonders, you, you got a man here who is perfect, who walks with God every day, who knows the Father, knows perfection, all this stuff, knows the instructions, was there when God, when God made these things. Part of me wonders if in this moment, Eve takes of this fruit, and this is not, I'm not saying this is what happened, this is just me talking. If Eve bites into this fruit, and Adam does it too because he doesn't want to lose Eve. Not because he's like, yeah, sounds good. I think Adam had a, completely understood what was happening. But I think he also knew that if Eve were to eat the fruit and he didn't, she'd be kicked out of the garden and he could stay. And he'd be by himself because he had already experienced loneliness when he, him and God went through all the animals. I just, want, I, I just want to place that in your mind for a moment because... It really kind of shows, if you start to think about it, the mistakes man is willing to make. See, even Adam was not desperate enough to do the things the father had instructed him to do. Adam knew he was placed in the garden, and God said to him, this is where you belong. Do not, you will not leave here as long as you don't do that. Adam, David, 
you could probably make the case for even, for even Judas, make horrible decisions simply because they wander away from where God is telling them to be. And man, man, do I hope you grasp that tonight. I don't, we don't get up here and your leaders don't tell you because like, you don't even hang out with those people. They're bad. Simply because we don't think you want to be around bad people. We tell you, hey, it's probably not the best thing to hang out with friends that smoke all the time. If you're trying to quit smoking, because you're going to smoke. You're really desperate to quit pornography. You'll do whatever it takes. I have never seen a student like, Garrett, I'm so desperate to quit pornography. Here's my phone. I don't want it anymore. Because it's, because that's an option. But why in the world are we not desperate for these things? We want deliverance. We want freedom, but we want it on our terms. I want, my, I want the army to go win the battles, but I also want to be able to stay home and just have sex with whoever I want. And don't be fooled, David raped that woman. They didn't consensually have sex. He said, you come to me, I'm the king, you're going to do what I want. And then, you know, it takes about a month at least for a woman to realize that she's pregnant. Then she went, she went home for a month. And he acted like nothing happened until he got word that she was pregnant. Then one of his best friends, one of his mighty men, one of his generals in his army, he makes sure that he dies. He becomes a rapist and a murderer quickly. Simply because he's not where he is supposed to be. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Verse 15 says this. The desire, sorry, then desire, I can't talk right now. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That's like what I said earlier. Your temptation is to bring about sin. Sin always leads to death. Something that I think every person needs to understand about your, your foe, your enemy, is that he can't create anything. It's so all he can do is manipulate um, and distort what has already been created. Taking it back to Eve and Adam and Eve. Couldn't, he didn't create anything. He just, he took what God created Mints the words. He even says to him, did he, sh- did he say you would surely die? He say, did he say you'd die right away? No. And so these lies, these, how, how the enemy works. Let's take homosexuality, for, for instance. The temptation for homosexuality is, is that it distorts. It is a temptation uh, because it is distorted. It is a counterfeit of what God's design and God's example is meant to be. Trans, transgender, same thing. Pornography, the same thing. Adultery, the same thing. All of it comes back to this one thing. It's why we sang this song tonight. At the end of the day, the plan for the enemy in your life, no matter what it looks like, how it takes, because don't be fooled. It doesn't matter if, if, if it's through gender identity or homosexuality or if it's through a secret porn addiction and, and adultery. It doesn't matter if it's through... It does not matter how he gets there. He just is trying to lead you to death. It has many names. It has many paths. It all leads the same way. Don't think you're more righteous than someone else because your sin looks different. It all has got the same name on it. It's all got the same gates. Some of us have like this weird self-righteousness. But, well, I don't deal with that. I'm like, bro, you've been watching porn for eight years. You quit. 
I don't deal with homosexuality. No, I wouldn't get into that sort of mixed company. But let us not find righteousness in that we don't deal with one, some sin, but we deal with another. As I'm telling you, it all leads the same place. And what the enemy is always going to, to present to you is a counterfeit, it is a fake of what God has designed and prepared for you. All of it is fake. The things you're dealing with are fake. Most of us deal with things like marijuana because, well, it makes us feel better. Fake. Well, I just, I, I, I deal with homosexuality because I feel loved by this person that loves fake. Well, I've been struggling with pornography for a long time. Yeah, that high you're getting, that, that what you're watching, it is fake. All of these things, if you trace it, we start breaking down sin areas that we deal with and things that we're tempted with. It all leads back to a counterfeit of something God has made. Satan didn't just want to be like, oh, I'm going to make this. This is all new. And God will have no answer for it. He simply takes, God says, this is what I have for you. This is what a healthy marriage, this is what sex is meant to be. Okay, let's distort it in every way we can. This is what church, this is what the whole, this is what, this is what faith is meant to be. All right, we're going to distort it in every way. And we can do this with everything. We can do this with, with, with many things. It's all a counterfeit. It is all fake. Now hear me. I want to explain one more thing before I, before I close tonight. Some of us, maybe even most of us, were tempted by, by desires like Eve, things that might actually be godly, that at the core, at the foundation, is godly. It's not wrong for you to want to have sex with, 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 a, with the opposite gender. It's not wrong. God put that desire in you. What you do with that can be. And so there's a difference between the enemy taking and tempting you with a natural God-given desire in your life and then him trying to distort and make an ungodly desire in your life. That you need deliverance from. Do you understand the difference here? You naturally feeling like some people, um, something I noticed a few weeks ago, uh, something I felt like the Holy Spirit was really ministering to me about just about this group was this, uh, was this cloud that many of us deal with. It's called anger. And anger is, is one of the most complicated things because it's something we're like, well, it's, God gets angry, and I can get angry. And many of us, we have things like anger that, that manifest, that are living within our lives. Like I said in worship, there are areas that we have grown accustomed to existing within ourselves. We don't even realize it's wrong anymore. I've talked to young men, and, and I've talked to many young men who have dealt with pornography for so long, I think they've become numb to the fact that it's wrong. And it's like, well, it's better this than, you know, like doing it with real people, I guess. No. Like I read you in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, God's like, yeah, I guess that's better. Well, they're just doing weed. They're not like on meth. It's okay. They're just watching porn, not sleeping with their girlfriend. You get what I'm saying? Somewhere along the way, we started categorizing sin and like finding this like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to compromise. Compromise is a good word. I'm willing to compromise here because at the end of the day, Garrett, I'm just, I'm not going to overcome that. And I'm content knowing that this is going to be my issue because as long as it doesn't look like that, I'm fine with this. And here we are snuggled up to our sin. It's like we're proud of it. Like, 
I'm a good Christian kid. I've been going to church for a long time. I'm signed up for the internship, and I praise real well, and I, I can do this real well, and I can do this real well, and Pastor Gary loves me and knows I'm a good kid, but here's me, me and my sin. Fine. Quiet enough. Nobody knows about it. All the other bad kids are going to get the attention. But for whatever reason, we, we make, we, we, there's a room in our bed, there's a room at our table for sin that we have just grown so tired of trying to fight. I am here to tell you tonight those things that you, you, Jesus is very much interested in getting out of your life. That there is deliverance, that there is freedom, and there is hope for you through Jesus. I said this a few weeks ago. The testimony, the testimony of Jesus is not that you will ever overcome anything. It's that Jesus has already overcome it. It's just about you discovering the deliverance and freedom that is available to you. We're going to do testimonies in a few weeks with some of our leaders. It's not because I'm not going to march leaders up there to tell you so they can tell you how great they are. They're not. They're jacked up people just like the rest of us. But what I want you to hear is what Jesus has, has helped them overcome in their life. I don't, I don't need you to walk out and be like, man, Keith, dude, crazy guy, awesome, way better, stronger than I am. That's cool that he was able to do that. What good would that be? But what I want you to do is be able to look at them like, man, Jesus did that in Keith's life. Jesus can do that in my life. I don't even know if Keith's sharing. Let's use Keith's example. But do you understand what I'm saying? I, I so desperately want you to realize that this ground the enemy has in your life, no matter if you would label it a crazy, nasty, you know, this would be life-altering if someone knew I was dealing with this, or if it's just something as simple as, as hating your step-parent. Because if you really want to start breaking things down, Christians, those of you that have been doing this longer, those of you that have cleaned up your act good enough so that no one knows what's going on, Jesus himself said, you know what? If you lust after someone in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you hate someone in your heart, you've murdered them. Jesus is so much more interested than, than, than oh man, we, we, we fall for this trap of just trying to clean up the symptoms. It's like, well, no one knows that I hate my step-parent. No one knows that I hate that person. No one really knows that. Only my best friends know I don't like that. But Jesus himself sees you murdering someone in your heart all the time. And for whatever reason, we're like, well, I ain't like them. And Jesus is like, no, you are like them. I see it in the same exact way. He is interested in doing more than just cleaning up the symptoms. When my kid has a cough or a cold, what do we do? And we wipe their nose, we pat them on the back, and we try to take care of the symptoms. But it would be crazy if, if all we did for sick people was care about the symptoms and never actually tried to get to like, man, what's going on? Yeah. We, we, I don't know if we as a human race would exist anymore if all we did was care about the symptoms or for some whatever reason, we as Christians are like, just take care of the symptoms. Just take care of, you know, t don't, don't let it look that way. Don't let anyone see it. Don't let anyone see the mess. You just make your life look right. You come to church, you do this, you act like this and worship, man, they're all going to think you got it together. And I think for some of you, it's not even in my notes, this is totally free. For some of you, what the temptation of the enemy is, is this desire, what is a godly desire to get your stuff together, to be all in at YTH, to be a godly kid. But can I promise you something? The temptation of the enemy will be this man, you're never gonna be perfect. Pastor Garrett says you're going to be perfect all the time. You just got to make sure you look perfect. You, act, you go through the motions here. You go through the motions there. You, 
pray for those people. You, you come to the altar every now and then. You do worship the right way. You fall on your knees at the right time. Throw your hands up at the right time. Man, they're going to think you got it all together. You go over there. You do your thing. They're going to think you got it all together. And as long as the church and as long as all the other Christians think you got it all together, man, wonder why in 2023 the, the, the divorce rate in the church is as high as it is outside the church. Because we have the same problems. We're real good about cleaning up our symptoms. But for whatever reason, somewhere along the way, we quit letting Jesus diagnose things and actually bring deliverance and, ex and take ground back in our lives. That is what I wholeheartedly believe the Spirit of God is trying to do in every person in this room. You're sitting in this room, you're listening to me, or maybe on your phone, whatever, you're in this room. That is the will of the Spirit of God in your life right now, is to illuminate things that you have grown accustomed to, you've grown comfortable with, and he is saying, I'm not done yet. I want to go further. Yeah. You've grown comfortable here. I'm going to push it back. Yeah. You, you, think, you think this is good enough? We're going to keep going. You think you look good and you've got it all together and you've quit cussing on Wednesdays and Sundays? We're going to keep going. You think you've got it, figured out how to clear your search history without anyone finding out? Man, we're coming. Jesus, the Spirit of God, is on the offensive, ready to extract and bring deliverance and freedom to people who have, who have grown accustomed to living in dark places. That is what, that is the will of God in your life. But yet, we fall for this temptation. Because why? Because we're tempted by what? Our desires. And when temptation is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully, fully grown, brings forth death. You don't care if it's going to take a year, five years, ten years, twenty years. He just wants you to end at the same spot. I think I read it in Corinthians at the very beginning. Travis, you can go ahead and come up. At the very beginning of 1 Corinthians, I read you this. Uh, I've got to get back to my notes real quick. But at the, that last... That, that last verse in Corinthians says, Therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There's a very clear warning out there to you young people. And it's this. Surrender is your only real option. Because at the end of the day, and I can just tell you from experience, tell you from a lot of experience, the moment you stand before God and you think you got everything figured out and that you're too great to fall and you are too godly to mess up and you would never in a million years give in to some crazy, wild temptation to do things, say things, act a certain way. Man, it's a dangerous place to be. It's a real dangerous place to be. Because we basically what happens is we stand before God and we're like, you know, I, I think I got it. I think I got it. And we hop back in the driver's seat and we just start doing life the way we want to do life. Because remember, at the end of the day, that same, that same temptation is there. I want to be in control. I don't want to change anything about how I'm living my life. I just don't want to want these things anymore. I want to hang out with the same friends. I want to have the same apps on my phone. I want to... I want to do things with, with my, my boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, when I want to. And how foolish.
each of us is to stand before God and be like, God, I'm not going to change anything about how I live, but if you'll just take care of this other stuff and you'll, you'll take this desire away from me and, you know, just help me to never want to have sex again. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And I'm going to go back to it one more time because I just genuinely need you to get this. You will save yourself a lot of heartache in life if you will quit being in positions to do things you know you're not supposed to do. David's meant to be at war. Adam's meant to be, Adam is meant to be with Eve. Both of them are meant to be in the garden. And the list can go on and on. David was not meant to be in bed with Delilah. Or sorry, Samson's not meant to be in bed with Delilah. Mixing up my names. It's all so much more simple than we make it. But we, again, going back to last week, guys, we fall into this intimidation trap with our enemy. And we're like, man, this is too best. This is hard. It's scary. And we don't like it. And in that, in that fear, I mean, I can't go. Maybe next week. So many of us are trapped. So many of, of you are trapped in this place of fear. And you would rather just control your sin area them get deliverance from it. I'm going to say that one more time. You're more interested in controlling your sin than getting deliverance from it. This happens so often with things like pornography and weed and sexual sin. We're more interested in just trying to contain it. I'd rather just keep it within my control. As long as I can control who knows, as long as I can control how bad it gets, I'll be fine. And if you're in this room and you, gen and you genuinely are crazy enough to think you are in control of the sin area, the, 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 the ground you have given to your enemy in your life, you think you're calling the shots, you are crazy. If you think you, you, and, you and the devil have made a pact of like, well, you know, this is as bad as it's going to get and I'll agree to do this. That's insane. You think your enemy has any grace or mercy for you, it all leads to death. It all leads to death stand up. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you and I want to pray with you tonight for, 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 for hopefully some very simple truth to start manifesting in your life. Now hear me, like I said, many of you just need to be able to leave this place tonight and say, okay, I am desperate enough to get rid of this thing. I am desperate enough to stop XYZ, whatever it is you fill in the blank, I don't know. And it might be something I didn't talk about tonight that doesn't mean God's not trying to work on it. But I have, I have two things that I've been praying for you for this week. One, that some of you would reach a genuine place of desperation. Because some of you don't, some of you want it, but you're not desperate for it. Like I said earlier, you can always tell how much a person doesn't want to deal with something anymore based upon how desperate they are to put, not put themselves in the position to do it. But some of you also need this. Some of you need deliverance from ungodly desires. Things that maybe have been in you for a long time, built upon a lie the enemy got you to believe a long time ago. For some of you, that's homosexuality. For some of you, it might even be transgenderism. For some of you, it, it might simply be things like pornography. For some of you, it's things that are as simple as, I need this to feel good. 
I need this to, to feel, or I need this to feel loved. Which is probably what most of it all traces, traces back to anyway. We're willing to throw away who we are, who God's created us to be, because, well, Pastor Gary, you know, I, feel, I just feel really loved like this. With these friends, I feel accepted and I feel loved. Well, with this person, I feel accepted and I feel loved. That's a whole nother message about your feelings. Just say this, man, your feelings cannot be the deciding factor in your life. Just because you feel a certain way does not make that thing king. And if you are, if your, your life is going to be dictated upon what makes you feel good, you're going to make awful choices the rest of your life. And that's probably a whole nother sermon. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. If I could get some leaders up front, I simply want to do this tonight. For one, I want to recognize the fact that uh, that some of you might be in this room and you might need to get things right with the Lord just from the very beginning. You might be in this room and just saying, you know what, if I were honest, I don't even know like if I'm saved. I don't know if this is all real. I've been struggling with my faith. Like you're hitting, you're way over my head right now. I'm just trying to figure out if God's real. And if that's you and you're in the room and you need to take that step and just say, hey, I just need to like initiate. I need to start this process. I need to pray for the first time. I need to accept Jesus or I need to rededicate my life just simply to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick? I just want to make sure if you're in the room and you need that rededication, you need that salvation moment. Okay, great. So that means this. That means if you're in the room and you have received salvation and you know Jesus, it's time to start lining up those desires with his. We talked about it in small groups. What does he desire of me, not what is he going to do for me? Because what he desires of you is put pretty plainly in Scripture. What he desires of you is to, one, live out a life in the identity that he's created for you, to walk in freedom, to walk in deliverance, to be filled with his spirit and to further the kingdom. But for many of you, you're not there simply because your desires are getting in the way and you think, well, this desire is in me. It must be from God. That ain't right. If you're here and you need deliverance, and sometimes I'm not saying all deliverance happens in a moment. Sometimes it takes time. It takes conversations. It takes a battle. But if you're in the room, you say, I just have some ungodly desires in me. I want things. I want harm on people. I want relationships that aren't godly. I, I want feelings that aren't godly. And there are things that I'm wrestling with and it's dark. And hear me, I know this is not an easy response or an easy call to respond to at all. But like I said, not until you're desperate will this, this actually happen for you. If you're in the room and you would just say, I've got some ungodly things in me, I've got to get worked out. Would you slip up your hand?
if you're in here and you say, I just, I haven't reached that point of desperation. I've been wrestling with things. I've been wrestling with, with sin and things that, that I, I've grown to hate and I can't overcome. I want you to come down. I want you to find a leader. I want you to, and if they're full, they'll get to you. But man, tonight I want to, I wholeheartedly want you to come to a place of desperation tonight where you are desperate enough to get rid of the things that are leading you to death. We don't talk about bad friends and bad habits and bad drugs and bad all this stuff simply because it's bad and we don't like it and we're Christians and we like our rules. It's because it is leading you to death. It is leading you to torment. We love you enough to tell you this won't work. Jesus, we pray for every person in this room. Lord, I lift up every person down here that is at the front receiving ministry right now. Holy Spirit, we speak against ungodly desires that are in us, Father. If they are distorted things, if they are lies built up from the enemy, whatever it might, if it's a mindset, we speak against homosexuality. God, we speak against transgenderism. I speak against suicide right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we begin to take back ground the enemy has had for too long in this generation and in these lives. We say enough is enough. We plant your word, and by your word we speak freedom, we speak healing, and we speak deliverance in the name of Jesus. Help us to be desperate enough, Jesus, to combat these things the enemy is trying to, to kill us with. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a, a young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way. And God bless.